Welcome to Sober Sisters Talk. I'm MG. And I'm Elizabeth Pudwell. Welcome. The speaker series happens once a month. This will be part of our weekly Zoom meeting that happens every Friday night. If you would like to be a part of that meeting, you have to be female. And send us an email at SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. If you would like to tell your story, please reach out to SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. We want to have more stories out there in order to help other women. And here's our next speaker. Thanks for listening. Also, we'd love to invite you to a Zoom meeting this Friday night at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you're interested, email SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com and we'll send you the meeting information and password. We hope to see you this Friday. I'm Dina, Love and Fantasy Addict. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and jump in because I feel like I have a lot of material. Um, so yeah, thank you everyone for being here. This is really I'm actually excited to share about it, even though it's a lot of stuff. And I, I do want to um, do a little preface that, you know, it is a little bit, there may be things that might be re- uh, resonate and hopefully not in a too triggering way. But I think a lot, I mean, when I started Sloth almost two years ago, it would be two years ago in April that, you know, what I heard in the rooms is what kept me coming back. And it was really important that I heard everything and can, that communion that we all are in here in this place in this room um for common with common threads so that was really important for me and so i hope that it's not too um dark or triggering um so i'm going to jump in about my story first um i grew up in the 70s and 80s my family was middle middle upper class Uh, my dad was middle eastern or he still is middle eastern my mom catholic who married young my dad is eight years older than my mom I was the oldest, my dad had a temper and was a rager, and my parents argued a lot. I did not feel safe at home, and there was a lot of shame. Um, There was so much other stuff going on in my house. Um, You know, accusations my dad might be cheating on my mom. Um, You know, my sister and I were kind of plotted against one another with, uh, you know, she was smarter, et cetera, et cetera. Just a lot of stuff going on. there was also, I wasn't very promiscuous. I, my, I kind of feel like I was a late bloomer uh, sexually uh, because I went to an all-girl Catholic school until like 10th grade. But but there was body shaming family-wise um, with my grandmother and my mom, um, really kind of shaming of female genitalia and um, as dirty as well as I went to Catholic school. So there was the religious religious aspect Uh, and cultural because my dad was Middle Eastern, you know, very conservative coming from that background. So I had a lot of awareness of my body as something wrong. Um, So in high school, I transferred and went to a public high school from a very small Catholic school. Um, I had the mind, uh, let me see, I'm trying to read my notes. I have bad handwriting. Um, I started experimenting with alcohol, drugs, cutting. I was big into cutting my skin. Um, boys were last on my list of kind of self-harm, but they were, they soon became that, um, in my mind, I had the idea that sex was violence. I had, um, you know, when I used to cut on myself, I, at one point cut that saying, it it was a song, a quote in a song that sex is violence. And I, I carved that in my hand, in my arm, and I can still see that today. So 
it lives with me. Not that I have to live with it, but it's still on me. Um, and I can still see it. Um, so my dad would say things like I was a whore. I was a slut. I was never going to be anything when I grew up. And I began to believe that because that he was telling me these things before I was even kissing boys before I was sexually active. And I started having that mentality about myself. Um, argue, I thought arguing was a norm, um, for a relationship in a form of com communication later after being a verbally, verbally, emotionally, and physically beaten by my dad, I just, I ran away, uh, to live with a friend of mine, my, a friend of mine, my senior year at her house. She ended up getting chicken pox while I was living with her. So I went and stayed with this guy that I worked with and his crappy efficiency. He was a little, he was older, um, with two other male roommates. Um, and they, I don't know how many cats they had in there. It was pretty disgusting. I experimented with more drugs and eventually was raped by one of the roommates while I was under the influence. Um, I carried that shame with me for years. I felt like it was my fault because I had made the decision to run away. Um, and only recently, uh, through redoing step work, I realized that that was me trying to survive what was going on in my house. Um, so I ended up moving back home. Eventually I did graduate from high school. I had really good art teachers in high school and that's part of why I'm an art teacher now in high school. Uh, they kept me engaged and focused on my art when things were really shitty and crappy. Um, art was like my strength. Um, and I was able to hone in on that and focus on that. And that was able to open a door for me and get me into college out of state. And um, moving out of state was such a blessing for me. It got me out of my house, out of the chaos and removed me. And that's the first time my dad ever said, I remember the phone call. Um, he said he was proud of me. And that was the first time he said that ever. I think he said he loved, well, my dad used to say he loved me after he would hit me, but that was different because it was like, I don't know, it was different. Anyway, it took me out of my chaotic, chaotic home and family. For the first time I was, I was, um, hold on my own being. I felt like my voice mattered. My art expressed so much of what I held within. I, qu I quickly jumped into a relationship um, within like the first two weeks of college. Uh, he was an alcoholic who raged. He was 6'4". He was sometimes frightening, but I thought I could handle it. I'm not sure if it was the challenge or I felt like I could tame or control someone that was similar to my father in the rage sense. After a couple of years of dating him, um, I developed a crush on my best friend. It was a male artist who we were in art school, college together. We had, um, so I cheated on my the six foot four guy and um, with a friend of mine. Uh, we had a unique childlike connection. He had a girlfriend who, who he was cheating on. No, she was cheating on him. And I think that's why we became intimate with each other. Um, and I thought this is where my fantasy takes off. I thought he would leave, leave me, leave her for me. He had a lot of trauma and drank so much. I fell in love with him. He graduated and left school like mid, mid year. That was my first experience of withdrawal. I came home from Christmas that break for the first time I was prescribed antidepressants on my 21st birthday. At that point, I stopped respecting my body. I treated it like shit. I slept with a friend who was friends with, who I was friends with his girlfriend. 
I had a fuck it attitude to my body and my life. The last year or two of last year or two of college, I dated a couple of guys, uh, different had different long long term boyfriends. Was doing quite a bit of drugs, a lot of ex of it ecstasy. It was obvious they dated me because I liked to party. I had a couple of girlfriends. We'd even mess around when we'd go out to attract guys. It was the '90s. We were young and in college, and we knew how to have fun. What I noticed now is that the pattern of guys I dated were disrespectful, dishonest, cheating, druggies, alcoholics, ragers, most of them with rocky or fucked up upbringings. We were trauma bonding and I mistook it as connection. After another withdrawal from a toxic relationship that ended right after college, I shifted into what I now recognize as anorexia. For a couple of years, while in, hold on while in grad school. Okay. So at this point I had been accepted into NYU in New York on again, another scholarship, but I had no idea of like the concept of value, um, self value that what I was doing with my art, um, I had no self worth. Like I didn't realize it was a big thing. I was like, yeah, okay. I got into NYU and, um, it took me years to like realize that that's kind of a big deal. And, um, (laughs) I don't know. I didn't see it at the time. It was just, I don't know. These doors were opening for me and I just was clueless. So, um, so I got into, for a couple of years, I was in anorexia in grad school. And in my last semester of grad school, I reached out to an old friend from college. I put underline going, uh, going backwards in my life never results in anything good. I was in another two year, two plus year relationship with an alcoholic schizophrenic this time. Arguments were brutal being choked and chased. He punched holes in the walls. It was insane. I thought one of us was going to die. I had to leave, but was scared. His mom came to help me pack like my boxes and stuff. When I made it back to Houston, I called to tell him I wasn't going to return. He flipped out as I expected, but I'm glad it ended. I was living back at home, which was not ideal. Living at home made me want to escape. For me, that was jumping into relationships having a fantasy to run to and ignoring all red flags and abandoning self again. Okay. Um, let's see. Also at this time, I'm going to add, I had also stopped making art and writing. When I moved back to home, I felt shame returning to Houston. Like I had failed as an artist. Um, my dog, like a dog tail, like a dog with tail between legs. Houston art scene at the time was still monopolized by um, I was trying to see if MG was flashing anything. Sorry. Uh, I was still monopolized by old money, men, um, men and oil and gas. It was that good old boy mentality that raises, still raises the back of my, the hair on the back of my neck. So I'm not sure how long ago, long after I met a guy at a bar patio, it was one of those intense eye contact and attraction, which I ne- know now as a sign that I need to run. We started dating. Then I realized, then I realized he was a sex addict and swinger and would do things to me that hurt me. I never, I felt like I was never enough. Um, after a week or so of that date, that ending, we dated for like over a year. But after that ended, I dated a guy for four plus years. He was nine years younger, but we really connected. He was a friend of my brother's and uh, we had fun. I think of him as a good person. And I, uh, to this day, I still respect him. It was with him that I, I think I experienced my first orgasm. I was probably about 30 years old. Um, 
The only thing was that I would get really jealous. I had lost self-respect and self-love and didn't know who I was anymore. My father never liked the, that I dated the younger guy and was always trying to talk me out of it. When the guy was applying for med schools, I wanted to fill my father's expectations or whatever his wishes. Um, and I had finally figured out a way to use another guy to as an excuse for a breakup. So I messed around with another guy and said, hey, oh, by the way, I messed around with someone. I guess we can't date anymore. Um, so that was a really fucked up way to end a relationship. And I just should have just said I should have just broke up, even though I didn't want to. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, we exchanged some words and hurt each other's feelings. And that was that. In a rebound, and I'm insert avoid, avoiding, I'm putting rebound as in, uh, avoiding feelings here. Um, I dated a bartender for two weeks. That was a mess. Only two weeks, thank God. Luckily, I could see what was going on. He was not very smart. And I realized I do have standards. I broke that off quickly. Then I decided to ask my ex-husband, a fellow apartment dog walker at the time, for his phone number. I called him and we started hanging out. Then drunk Dina, I'm also an AA, uh, kissed him. We decided to date, but I wanted to take things slow. One month later, we had sex. Drunk, abandoning my standards and self. He had, he had issues and like sex, physical, sexual issues or whatever. And I saw it as an opportunity to fix or help him. Again, focusing on someone else, not me. Helping someone else, not me. From the beginning, I didn't like sex with him. A year later, he proposed to me. Another year later, we were getting married. I cried the entire day of our wedding all the way down the aisle. I was scared. I didn't want to marry him. My dad said, you'll learn to love him. I never did. Being married was one of the loneliest times in my life. I am grateful for our beautiful children, but my authenticity was being smothered in the relationship. I started seeking attention from old um, college friends on social media, again, going backwards, where it was familiar, a false sense of feeling safe. Side note, I did start making art and doing photography again. Sorry, I'm hearing something. Uh, did start making art and doing photography again. And my ex-husband did support me in that. Um, I went to Santa Fe and connected with an ex uh, with an old friend. We laughed about crazy times. We hung out. I practically threw myself at him drunk. He did not have sex, or we did not have sex, but I could see I was very close to having a full affair. I had no respect for self or my ex-husband. I had very I had, but I did have a very spiritual experience the next day, and I felt the need to use my voice. I returned home and told my ex-husband I wanted to separate. He didn't understand. We did therapy for a while, but I was already checked out. I had an emotional affair. Um, my ex discovered with, again, someone else from college. Um, I thought this person was going to rescue me, be the answer. He vanished. I went through that withdrawal while my, my ex-husband filed for divorce. While in the process of mediation, I was going through our, through our CIA with the Catholic Church. Spirituality was something that my ex and I were not aligned with. I realized I needed it as part of my foundation, and I was trying to figure out how to bring it into my life. Then I met another crazy guy. Um, it was one of those instant mega attractions that we all, that I, again, I know now to run from. He was super religious. I made the mistake of trusting him and believing his extremes 
as being better than mine. He claimed Catholicism, but it was much more of a sect or cult. He said the devil was in me and said that I shouldn't take medications. I weaned myself off medications. In the meantime, he was gaslighting me with so much, or gaslighting me so much and seeing multiple women. I thought I was losing my mind. I have had, I, I do have one regret in life. I try to live life without regrets, but there's one regret I do have in my life. And that is that I had decided to have my kids baptized with this crazy man as the godfather. I cannot undo this. The Catholic Church does not allow it. My mind became so twisted. I fell in such a dis- depression and despair. I did not want to live. I laid in my bed when my kids were with their dad, crying and praying. I was having my own dark night of the soul. Later, a priest told me to stay away from the crazy guy. And I com- and he compared him to David Koresh. I felt like, what did I do? I was scared. I blocked him. I even filed a police report. Um, uh, I did not, wait, I did get back on my meds. I received my first communion and I felt a new hope. So I'm gonna jump into my qualifier next, how it brought me into SLAW. Uh, my qualifier uh, was a rager, an alcoholic. We started with love bombing on my, on my first date. Um, I wasn't gonna kiss on my first date and he leaned in drunk and kissed me and it was gross. I was like, ugh. But um, I don't know why. Again, that horrible, painful familiar that we go back to. Um, so many red flags. I thought he was going, uh, no, so he was drinking so much at the time. I thought he was going to die like Nicolas Cage and leave Las Vegas. He was a major alcoholic. Um, we eventually began AA because I thought I could help him. Um, so I had stopped drinking at that time too. Um, he would get so angry if I asked or voiced what I needed or wanted for touch, connection, intimacy. It became a very lopsided relationship. I wanted to love and support him, but he was not able to give that to me. Instead of seeing that as seeing that as him being unavailable, I internalized the thoughts and feelings as I had learned and been shaped to, I was not good enough, something is wrong with me, I am broken, I am not sexy enough, pretty enough. I'm not worth it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We went to, uh, I forgot what the next thing was. He was an artist. I thought and fantasized that we would be an, an, a power, an art power couple. Quickly, I felt into his shadow. Again, I was going into fantasy quickly. I didn't realize that he was a narcissist too. He would yell at me and I thought it was normal. Part of me could see the red flags. I could hear something inside saying, get out but I didn't. I thought he, things would get better. He constantly belittled me. I also soon after, oh, hold on. Uh, soon after, or I don't know where my notes are here. When I, after when you're dating or when you're in a anniversary. Um, so one thing I started noticing in my dating was I keep track of, of time in my relationships. Like I feel like, oh, if we make it to one year, then this is good. Like, oh, if I make it to two years, I'm proving something like, like I'm putting my value on like the time of being the timeline of being with people. So it's something I became aware of. So, um, so after one year of dating, so I measure my worth, I'm sorry, with the success of the relationship by the time, how long I'm in the relationship, not how fucking toxic it is. I'm sorry. It's kind of terrible. 
Um, we had another major fight. It started because I felt that it was weird that he wanted to go hang out one-on-one with a female friend of one of his female friends at her house. I asked, why wouldn't she invite me? Because she knew we were dating. Um, he flipped out. He said, I have red flags all over me. So I think he was projecting on me. My mind started to crack. He then wanted to break up with me. Having picked up my six-month AA chip that day, I was in self-sabotage mode. That night, I started to cut myself, which I had not done since high school. I can see now that 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 was my teen self screaming from inside, my inner child in fear, adult self in reacting, acting for attention to get him back, acting out for attention to get him back. I decided to drink. I had a one-night relapse, um, but that's when I realized I don't want to or need to drink in ever again he came back to me um because i feel like he was not done using me uh we dated another year it was bumpy but i still had an illusion that we were going to get married the week of our two-year anniversary we had another argument i'm sorry my dog's barking in my bedroom um so we had another argument uh he was telling me how to spend money and what I need to do or not do because my car was okay. So I, I stood up and said, unless you're going, you and I are sharing an account, I'm going to spend my money how I want to. And it was regarding buying a car because mine was having issues. He told me he wasn't sure what he wanted in the relationship. This blew, So this triggered him because I wasn't listening to him, um, to, to what he wasn't sure what he wanted. I suggested he take some time because we had just started lockdown. I think like we, had, I think it was like Good Friday of lockdown, like the first one uh, part of pandemic. Um, I suggested that he take some time while on lockdown to go speak with his parents and to figure things out. He said he had an appointment with my therapist, um, so he had decided he he did want to help work on himself and that he was going to go talk to my therapist, uh, use use my therapist, and I was okay with that. She called me after their appointment and said he was breaking up with me. I was shocked and blindsided. I was crushed and felt abandoned and gutted. My kids were devastated too. They were so close to him. I felt like he had had promised them so much. Hearing my son say he felt betrayed as a seven-year-old was powerful. I could see so clearly how my actions impacted them with my relationships. My daughter, my daughter regressed again. She had after my divorce, and now she was regressing again. I didn't want to die, but I couldn't find the strength to carry on. A friend of mine in AA suggested SLAA. I felt broken. I didn't want another label, but I needed help. I needed support. It would be one thing if I could just walk away and not see him ever again. Um, I was able to remove him from my social media, but life is complicated. We both had been hired a year before as the art department teachers at the same high school. No one knew we were dating, but now how was I going to work with this person, my qualifier? The thought of him was paralyzing. Thank God for COVID, it gave me time to heal, to not have to see him in person. When I started reading the SLAA book, so much of the first part of the first part reminded me of my qualifier. It was painful. 
it was really triggering actually. I found a sponsor and was able to work AA, SLAA steps together. I wanted to share what I was learning in SLAA with my qualifier. If he only knew this, dot, 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 I didn't, I, I didn't, I avoided him as much as possible. I began to develop a network of women I could, could reach out to. I meditated, I prayed, I journaled. I was gentle with self. These are all things that I heard in meetings. People say, oh, be gentle with yourself. And I started picking up on the lingo and what to do. I started picking it up. I heard women talk about inner child work, family of origin, and neuroplasticity. This was fascinating and gave me hope. I learned about patterns, my patterns, and how I choose people who are painfully familiar. In that way, denying myself. It was in the middle of lockdown. What a blessing. Isolation led to solitude. Going inward led me to healing. Okay, I started working with clay, which in itself has been so healing. Working with earth with my hands. I was able to contemplate, explore, express, and process. It took me about four or five months to finally feel free of withdrawal. But I was still paralyzed by the idea of having to see my qualifier at work. I had to stay professional. Um, during, oh, during that time, I'd call my sponsor with panic attacks like crazy. Um, I had to stay professional with email communication. I also would include another staff member or person on those emails. We didn't and still don't have to see each other often because we work on two different floors. The first few times I did see him, I felt trapped but I started to notice things slowly. Um, I could drive through the garage without focusing on if his car was there or not. Um, one day, oh, hold on. One day he cornered me when I was clocking out. I paid attention to my body and what was happening in the moment. I could see how disorganized and unkept he looked. His hair was more bald, his head was more bald. His clothes looked worn and his shoes and bag really dingy. This was the beginning of the illusion the fantasy dissolving. I could see him as a wounded human who neglected himself. I was no longer attracted to him. This is when I started to feel power return to me. I have come so far in SLAA, the steps with my sponsor and my trust in the divine. Two years ago, I would have crumbled afraid. Now I can have a work-related conversation and inter interact as needed without reacting from my inner child or teen, but with an awareness as my adult self. I pay attention to what needs are, are what needs are and boundaries that I need to maintain and honor self. So program, program, what works for me, what worked for me, what works for me. Okay, surrender, surrender, surrender. The more I wanted a specific outcome, the more I fought for control. I became more fearful, dissatisfied, angry, hurt, and anxious. Every morning I try to check before, I try to do this before I check my phone for messages or emails. I sit quietly and read the daily meditation from State of Grace and another meditation book called Each Day a New Beginning. I reflect giving thanks to God before I start my day. I attend the Monday night sober dating meeting that has been a game changer for me. And I want to start a Houston sober dating group meeting. As I continue to grow um, I found a new sponsor. She is a badass, and I am so grateful to have her in my life. Right now, I'm reworking step four with her, and more lights are turning on, and more dots are being connected in my brain. 
covert incestuous encounters, mother wound, deep trauma wounds. And yes, even after doing the steps once, it goes even deeper with the continued work. It is painful, and but I feel this journey will heal generations of my family of family secrets and wounds. I trust God and surrender each day. That brings me some peace. I took time off from dating and pulled back and engaging with men unnecessarily. I could see I need wait. I could see I needed to work on me. I could see my patterns. The foundation of what I was looking for uh, was me and uh, for, me, for me and my children was within me and I needed my higher power. I didn't understand why I couldn't start dating after my fifth step. I was out of, I was, um, at one point I was practically having a toddler-like meltdown with the, to my sponsor at the time because I wasn't getting my way. But my way had not worked, been working, and I'm so grateful my sponsor at the time was strict with me. Looking back, I know I was not ready at all. I went through step eight with my first sponsor, then changed because I was having a difficult time working that step. When working it with my last sponsor, she asked me as part of my, I think it was my 10th or 11th step, to call 10 women in program. It took me a couple of weeks to make those calls and and reported back to her. She asked what we talked about. I said, well, she's, they said this and that. And she asked, well, what did you say? And I said, nothing. I thought I was supposed to listen. She asked me about maybe four or five more women. I responded the same. She said, no, you need to call 10 more women. The reason was that this was a pattern in my relationships. I didn't know how to take up space. How was I supposed to eventually date if I let other people, individuals take up all the space? Where am I in the relationship? She had me call more women, women I was intimidated by. By that, I mean their recovery strong and not my normal outreach go-tos. Powerful women. I'm so happy that I took the time and made those extra calls. It has been so insightful in dating. I can see when a guy does not value me and what I have to say and can walk away. I finished the steps, and yes, I have experienced a beautiful spiritual awakening. Nothing that I could ever have imagined. I am so grateful for my God and my journey. I created a dating plan and was cleared to date last July. As I mentioned on a, another Sober Sister interview, I had a girl's trip planned for New Mexico or with a friend in New Mexico with my best friend, sorry. Last summer, I decided to, to postpone dating, uh, sorry, my dating profile until after our trip so I could be present. My friend and I had an amazing time in New Mexico. I wasn't speaking to my parents at the time, which allowed me to see how much quieter my inner critic is when I'm not in constant communication with them. After the steps, I felt like so many lights were turning on. I had such clarity and peace. I was able to say, I'm feeling fucking, I'm, I'm pretty fucking awesome. And I love myself. I started dating someone in August. I don't want to get into that too much, but I think I was abandoning myself a bit when after a month of dating, he didn't want to, he didn't want exclusivity, exclusivity. And I did. I went along and continued seeing him. I didn't have sex, oral, or other intimate uh, things because I did not want to. Uh, I didn't want to if we weren't exclusive. I had, I had that as my boundary. After three months, he said he was dating me as a friend and that I had I had no romantic future with him. I was able to see, clearly say I'm not invest, uh, interested in that. Good luck with that. Bye. And I walked away with my dignity and my emotions attached. I went on dates with a few other men. Each individual seemed like a stepping stone on my path. 
Each person was a lesson and a deeper understanding to who I am and what I want. I could be present and see who they are. This gift of clarity has made me more aware of my areas of areas I need to strengthen and heal. I've learned that I'm worth worth it and valuable. A man reached out to me in January. I wondered why he would be interested in someone like me. I had to remind myself that I'm awesome, and I say that with a smile. I'm also I also share about him on the Sober Sister podcast that we recorded a few weeks ago. He is everything on my wish list and more. He is grounded in his spirituality and on his own healing journey. Um, I feel like I've attracted someone also awesome. <laughs> um, and like I've heard by others in my sober dating group on Monday night, getting the guy or partner isn't the prize. I see that in partnership is when we have an opportunity to apply what we have learned. Partnership is harder than just going on dates. It's when the adult version of self shows up and can make mindful decisions and resolve communicate miscommunication and conflict. We've decided to be exclusive. It works for both of us. And we've decided we are both ready to be boyfriend and girlfriend. I don't tell everyone my news because not everyone, insert family, could share my joy. I have shared with him that I want to wait three months until we have intercourse. And he said he's not going anywhere. It's important. And he also says it's important that we honor that boundary. He is also, um, what am I saying here? He's also doing deep healing. Oh, he's also aware that I'm doing some deep healing right now, redoing this fourth step with so much new stuff coming up and he's very supportive. Um, I check in, or no, I book in with my sponsor. I check in with other women, my therapist, my best friend. I use my tools. Um, did I forget something? What did I forget? What did, what did, how much time do we have right now? We've got about six and a half minutes left. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, yeah, so that is that right now. Um so yeah, I just feel like right now, um, I am really, I'm so blessed. I feel like this journey has been so amazing and it still has its ups and downs. Um, I'm reworking again, this, this fourth step with my, my new sponsor and it's, a, it's going really deep. And, you know, I luckily, um, in, in this relationship that I'm in now, um, you know, he, I'm very transparent with my, my, my recovery and healing. I think that's really important for me. It works to be transparent with my partner in that. Um, and so he's able to recognize that and, and respect that as well. And I think that's a really beautiful gift that I'm able to voice that and not hide it. And I'm also able to say, you know what, if I'm, if I feel like I need to have space, I'm going to tell you like, and, and feel respected and heard and seen me. Like that's really important to me. Um, yeah, I just, you know, each day give, I pray every night, just so much gratitude. And I'm just continually looking for ways to heal this, this life. I mean, I want my children to have a beautiful life. Okay. Okay. So I'm just feeling really awesome and blessed right now. And just really so much gratitude and, uh, it's really, there's times I've been wanting to kick and scream. And especially lately, like with the lights going on with my new sponsor, with so much, some of this trauma that's come up, like 
there's stuff I don't want to look at and thoughts I don't want to connect. And it's really painful and um, it's icky and I don't like it. But part of the suffering and learning from this is I know that there's, there's a gift in this. And um, just I just have to lean more into my, my God, my, you know, my higher power and just Every night I journal, every night I pray, and just I just tr- just really do the, my top line behaviors to keep me keep me safe. And I'm committed to my work in program. Like I don't want to. I've heard of women who come in the rooms, they go out for, for a couple of years, come back, and I don't want to do that. Like I want to stay in program. I want to stay committed. I want to be here with other women. I want to be able to share my story, and I want I want to hear and see other women too. Like I I feel that there's there's beauty and grace in that. Um, and that, that's also why I really would like to start the sober women's dating uh, group in Houston. So yeah, that's where I'm at. And uh, thank you. I'm going to end now. That's it for this month's speaker meeting. Stay tuned to Sober Sisters Talk for next month's speaker. Thank you.